You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. I don't know about you guys, but I, uh, I often feel like not the first, but the background image in my family. Anybody else? Nobody else? Leave me alone. Thank you. The way it's supposed to work here is make sure we're clear. We're trying to be a Christ-centered confessional community. And so when I confess, it helps if somebody else goes, oh, me too, you know. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. A few of you. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's one of those things where our lives are filled with trying to do our best to make sure everybody thinks we've got it all together. But the truth is, we know we don't. And sometimes we think we do, and then something will happen, or we make a mistake, or do something grievously wrong or something's done to us, and we just recognize that our hearts are not where they should be. Our actions are not as they should be. And so we've been in this series now for three weeks. Uh, We're continuing on one more week in this series, talking about how we present ourselves. The culture demands it. All of our uh, social activities online or not demand that we put our best foot forward. Nobody likes to roll up at church rolling out with doing discipline on the way in the door. Uh, Nobody wants to have pictures on Facebook where you're not the right angle. You, I often wondered, I, got, I learned this a few years ago, I didn't know exactly why, but why did everybody do pictures like this? Why do they take their phone and do this? You know why, right? You look better from this way than this way. Okay, so if you didn't know that, now you know, so you can do the picture perfect thing. Uh, everybody wants to put the best foot forward. We want to look like, act like, seem like to others we have it all together. But the truth of the matter is that as Christians, as those who have been bought and purchased with the blood of Christ, We have been freed from that. In fact, our job, it should be our delight, our duty as Christians is to make much of the one who made so much of us that he went to the cross and gave his life for us. And the way we best do that is not by way of strength or by picture perfection, but by way of weakness. That we show what's really going on in our lives. We talk about our struggles. We talk about the things that aren't so nice to talk about always so that we can point to our continual need for a Savior so that he gets the glory instead of us getting the glory in our picture perfection. And so I want us to look, if you would turn your Bibles, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. will be in verse 26 through 31 again. As you can tell, we're sticking in the same text for four weeks. That's not normal. Uh, I know that for a lot of you, that's kind of a weird thing to do. What we're doing is unpacking these truths, and we're doing a biblical theology about an idea, and there's multiple ones of them here. We're unpacking verse 30, basically, over these four weeks. So two weeks ago, we talked about the wisdom of God. We we got the big picture, this whole passage from verse 18 all the way down through chapter 2, verse 5, is really about the wisdom of God and how that plays out with one major command at verse 31 that says, let the one who boasts, this is the only command, boast in the Lord, right? And that's what this is all about, boasting in him, not boasting in self. Now, I'm not encouraging you to like stop fixing your hair and brushing your teeth and putting on clothes the right way. We want those things to happen, believe me, especially when we're up close to you. We want you to brush your teeth take showers, do all those things. What we're saying is, let's not act like our righteousness comes from our deeds and our efforts. Let's point to the righteousness of Christ. As we talked about last week, Stephen led us beautifully through the text looking at those things. Today, we're going to focus on the idea that Jesus is our sanctification. And that's not a normal phrasing. That's not a normal uh, thing you would hear in a lot of pulpits. Sadly, I say that. Uh, When I grew up, I didn't hear it that way. What I heard was Jesus is the way, the truth, life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. That is true. Our salvation is in Jesus. 
And then after that, it was kind of like, hey, he did that great thing for me. Now it's my turn. And I've got to work really hard. And here's all the rules. Here's all the regs. And yeah, yeah, Jesus saved me. And now I've got to work out my salvation in fear and trembling, which is true, but it's only a half truth. And so we're going to look and see what that means. In fact, I would say it like this. I believe we've made a grave error by supplanting the way of Jesus with the way of self-righteous religion. And we need to repent. If we want to see people come to faith, it's not going to be because they can see Jesus in us because we're so good. We will never attain that. If we want to see people come to faith, if we want to be a lighthouse of the gospel for those that are being dashed against the rocks of life and are finding no hope anywhere else, we need to be honest and real about the fact that we also needed that light of the gospel and still do every moment of every day. So let's look at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not according to worldly standards, to bring to nothing things that are according to worldly standards. That's the implication. And here's the reason why. He does all that. God shows all these people this reason, this way, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, here's the deep down reason, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the imperative of our lives. This is why we say it's all about God getting the glory. All through the Old Testament, all through the New, I do it all for my name's sake, he says, first and foremost. And yes, because he also loved you in your sin and wanted to save you out of your sin. But it seems like the utmost thing is that the thing that deserves the glory would get the glory, and he alone deserves the glory. And we're going to unpack that even more today when it rests in sanctification. While we do that, though, let me... I would be remiss if I didn't start off in verse 30 the way that it starts off itself. Look at it with me as we see that Paul says under the guidance and leading and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. The question to you today is, are you in Christ Jesus? Before we can get to sanctification, you need to know if you've been through what they call regeneration. Have you been born again? Are you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that you just pray a prayer one day because it's not all bent on what happened one day 15 years ago or two years ago. It means, are you in Jesus? That's a present statement. Are you currently in Christ? Is he in you? That means, does he abide in you? Are you abiding in him? Are you living your life in relationship with God through Jesus by his spirit? Are you in Christ? That is the utmost question because apart from that being answered the right way with an affirmative answer of, yes, you're in Christ, all the rest we're going to say today does not matter for you. You and I need Jesus because we are sinners who cannot 
No matter how hard we try, attain the goal of perfection that God has made us for. So therefore, we fall short of the glory of God and how we were created. And we are in need of someone to fix that problem. So God took it upon himself because no human could ever do it. And he has righted the problem, fixed the wrong, by sending his perfect son, born of woman, fully God, fully man, to live the life of perfection we cannot live, to die the death we deserve so that we could receive eternal life that only he deserves. So therefore, if you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you believe on him for your salvation, then you are in Christ. And today I'm talking to you. And if not, today's a day of repentance for the first time for you. You may never hear this again. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. We know that just as Stephen mentioned about his mom, just as others have passed lately that we know and love just as others are struggling we never know when our time is coming but today you know right now your time is hearing the gospel in this moment today is the day of redemption for you if you put your hope in jesus and we notice that that comes we see if you're in christ jesus that you were in him because of god it's good to make sure we understand that point everything leading up to this is really pressing that point look back at verse 26 for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. I don't hear any amens on that one. Not many of you are powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish, that's us, to shame the wise, those who are in Christ. God chose what is weak, that's us in the world, to shame the strong of the world. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, according to the world. That, that's most of us. To bring to nothing the things that are, implication something in the world. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. Look, I, I have heard it, I have said it. People are struggling. You say, hey, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. God helps those that help themselves. That's nowhere in Scripture when it comes to salvation. That's nowhere in Scripture even when it comes to sanctification. If you were in Christ Jesus, it's because of God's effort to save you. Because you cannot save yourself. You were dead in your trespasses, and now you've been made alive. You were lost, and now you've been found. You were blind, and now you see. All those are miracles that can only... A, all-powerful, benevolent God could do. And it says, because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, if you are. And we've made the grave mistake of believing in Jesus for our salvation. That's the good part. But believing in ourselves for our own sanctification. And that's a real problem. We're going to unpack why. Let me give you a working definition of sanctification that we see here. Verse 30, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification. Sanctification. Here's a working definition. Sanctification is the ongoing work of God and man. It's a cooperative. The ongoing work of God and man which leads us to be more and more free of our sin and leads us to become more and more like Jesus. 
I'll say it again. It's an ongoing work of God and man. He teams up with us. He doesn't have to. He chooses to do that, to use us in the process, to allow us to participate in this element of salvation, not in our regeneration, being born again, but in our sanctification, ongoing work of God and man, which leads us to be more and more free of sin and to become more and more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians three seventeen to 18 points out this coming from the Lord. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? That is good news. And we all, with unveiled face, in other words, not like Moses who hid his face, we are with unveiled face before the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord. In the face of Jesus is the implication in this letter. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, that's sanctification, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's also commands that say, be holy. It's a command. Do it. Be holy, for God is holy, for I am holy, he says. It's a both and. This Greek word for sanctification, it's a fun word. I'm going to get you to say it with me. You ready? I'm going to say it and get you to repeat it. It's just a fun word. Hagiosmos. Very good. Good job. Hagiosmos is the word. It comes from the root word hagios, which means holy. Okay, You, you may not have heard that before. It's... It, it's it's where I love this word in systematic theology. They, they call it the trihagion. It's the only word used of God's character that's used to the nth degree in describing him. You see, in the Hebrew language, you know, you know this probably, probably heard it before, but in, 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 uh, in Hebrew uh, language, in Isaiah 6, you see this declared, where God is called holy, holy, holy. If you say something one time, you mean it. If you say it twice, you're saying they're extra holy. If you say holy, 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 the trihagion, you're saying that is holy to the nth degree. None like that kind of holiness. Only one like that kind of holiness. That word holy means to be set apart, different, other, for a specific purpose, means to be morally pure, as God is morally pure, set apart, completely other. And for us, it means that we have been, if you're in Christ, you have been set apart for a specific purpose, and you have not only been set apart for a purpose, you are being made into the image of Christ who is wholly pure, morally. The Bible is replete with these commands for us to be holy. We are to be pure morally, to be set apart, for the good works which God created beforehand for us to walk in them, Ephesians 2.10, right? 1 Corinthians 6, later on in the letter, Paul talks about it even more. He says, or do you not know, here's the warning, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, he says, neither the sexually immoral. Jesus made sure we understood that means even in our hearts and minds, not just outwardly, right? Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I don't hear an amen again. Such were some of us. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed in the cleansing blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed. 
you were sanctified. This is sanctification. It is a thing that happens at the moment of regeneration. When you were born again, you were sanctified. You're set apart. You're set up to be conformed to the image of Christ for a specific task, to be a part of the family of God, to be on his mission, to be with him forever. It's set apart for that purpose. It starts there, and it continues the rest of your life all the way up until Jesus comes back or you go to be with him, and then, then glorification happens, okay? We talked about uh, regeneration, all these shuns. Regeneration, sanctification, and glory. You're going to be in glory, glorification, where God removes all the leftover sin that's left still, and you are in the perfect state mirroring Christ, mirroring Christ for all eternity. This is good news about sanctification. The problem is, is that we have clung to Jesus for our initial salvation, but then we've turned to our own abilities for our sanctification. This is not the way that God intended. Today we need to repent, brothers and sisters, of this egregious sin which attempts to rob God of his own glory. In the great wisdom of God, Jesus has not only become our righteousness like we talked about last week, but he's also become our sanctification. He has become our sanctification. See, sanctification is both a work of God and a work of man. But to understand how this cooperative works correctly, we must first recognize and accept that God is the source of our sanctification. You do not muster up enough effort for it to be all on you. You cannot wash yourself clean every day of all the things that dirty you. Our sanctification has been initiated by God. It has been enabled by God. It is being empowered by God. And it is being sustained by God. We are being secured by God. He planned it this way before the foundation of the earth so that he would get the glory even in our sanctification in which we participate. Let me say it like this. Moral adherence to the law cannot save you. You know this. We sing it all the time. And it it cannot sanctify you either. If it can't save you, it can't sanctify you. God has called you to salvation in Christ Jesus and set you apart, not to be self-righteous for your glory, but to be utterly and completely dependent on him for his glory. The difference is when you were lost, you just didn't know you were dependent on him in that way. And now that you're saved, now you know. And so the the key is not to now begin to live like you don't need him for every moment of every day and for every good thing in your life, but instead to live in light of the fact that you do know those things. That's the change. It's not that we're miraculously superheroes now. It's that we have a superhero and his name is Jesus. And we see him and we love him because he first loved us. In his great wisdom, what it says right here in verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Not just this thing, but a person. In his great wisdom, in Jesus, God has set forth that Christ would be the author, perfecter, and finisher of our faith and our sanctification. This will change everything about how we live if we will just listen and believe. Oh, Lord, help our unbelief. Hebrews 2, 10. For it was fitting, listen closely, that he, it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. 
You see, the founder of our salvation is Jesus. And he was made perfect. In other words, shown his greatness, made perfect as the sacrifice, made perfect as the Savior through suffering, suffering of the cross. Listen, verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Because he's the source. You see? He goes on in Hebrews 12, a verse we all know, but I bet we've missed a little bit. I know I had for years. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, here's what we do. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You've heard that, right? When I, when I grew up in church, I heard this, and I thought about it. Man, I've got to run the race. I've got to strive really hard. I've got to do this, and I just put my eyes on Jesus as I run. I've got to keep looking at Jesus as I run. You know, I see him. There he is, but I've got to do everything about it. I've got to do the endurance. I've got to do the pushing. I've got to do the, the heavy lifting. i do all that stuff. But right here in the text, it clarifies for us that's not even the case exactly. Yes, you, there is effort on your part. Yes, you must strive in those things, but it's way simpler than that. Look at it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, who know he's the founder, right? The guy that saved me. The founder and perfecter of our faith. He not only founds your faith, he's the founder, the, the base of your faith. He's the one that perfects you. That's what sanctification is. You're being made and shaped into the image of Christ, the founder and perfecter. Jesus has become our sanctification. This is good news. You don't have to earn it anymore. You don't have to put yourself up because you just aren't where you think you should be right now. You need to put your eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is the good news of the gospel. This is freedom, brothers and sisters. Not freedom for licentiousness and to go out and do whatever you want and sin, but freedom to recognize that you didn't get saved by a benevolent God who now requires taskmastering of you to get you in line. Instead, he sent you a Savior who's good enough to redeem you on the first day and sanctify you the rest of your life and glorify you in the end. Praise the Lord. This is good news. Man, this is the gospel made evident here that it is not even up to us to earn our way even now. We still rely on Jesus the same today as the first day we met him. He is good. He's worthy. Boast alone in him. He alone deserves it. We can never earn that sanctification by our own efforts. So Jesus earned our sanctification for us. He earned our sanctification by being set apart for us. Set apart for a special task. One other than us, but still like us. He earned our sanctification by being perfectly sinless. What we could never do, he did. Lived his whole life perfect without sin. He earned our sanctification by becoming sin in our place on the cross. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. He became our sin. So we might become the righteousness of God. He earned our sanctification by paying the price for that sin on the cross. The price which is paid for in death on the cross. Everything he had given out. It is finished. 
Listen, your salvation is not what happened 10 years ago or two years ago. It started there, and it's going on now, and it'll go on for the rest of eternity. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. That's salvation. That's the good news. This is the glory of the gospel and our sanctification. He paid the price. You don't have to pay the price. He paid the price. You can't pay the price, so he paid it for you. He earned our sanctification by defeating Satan, sin, death, and hell in our place on the cross. And then in his resurrection, he gave us the victory, his victory. He declared it upon us. Hallelujah to the lamb who gave his life for us and who rose from the dead, who now reigns king of kings and lord of lords. He is good and he alone deserves to be boasted of. Not us. Jesus has become our sanctification. In his great wisdom, God has determined sanctification not only to be brought by the Son, but to be a community endeavor of his church. This is good news too. In a world we are uber-connected digitally, we are more alone than we have probably ever been in the history of humanity. And you do not have to be alone. You were not made to be alone. And you certainly were not meant to work out your salvation alone. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. There is no such thing as, as you always only meeting God out in the woods. I love a good deer hunt. I love to eat, hunt, do it all. But that is not the place we're meant to gather with the Lord alone always. Wherever you go, you're with the Lord if you're his. We are meant to gather together. Even if that means in the sense of a pandemic, we do so through Zoom. Even if it means we have to do so with face masks, social distancing, we gather together. We do so because it's a community endeavor for our part in sanctification. Listen, just like our faith, sanctification is always personal, but it is never private. That's a hard lesson. Hear me right. In an individualistic society, this is really tough for us. We are not meant to walk our lives of failures and mishaps and missteps and mess-ups alone to suffer in loneliness. We are meant to do so in community, confessing our struggles so that we can love one another and help point each other back to looking to our founder and perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus. And we need one another. You think I'm making this up and adding this in? Let's go back and look at the text. Now, I will say, you'll see it in other places, but when you see the word you, every time here it's plural. You can't tell that in English, but in the Greek you can. He says, for consider your calling. Here it is, brothers, plural. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world, that's us, to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world, that's me, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you, plural, are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. This is why we as a church are striving to become a christ centered confessional community because if we are not doing it in community it will not be done if we are not walking together we will not be shaped as we should be into the image of christ we in this land which i love have bought into the idea that the individual is supreme 
I'm not diminishing the individual nature of who we are, but I'm stating that it does not reign supreme over the community. Otherwise, everything in the text of Scripture would be about the individual. Instead, it's about the priesthood of the believers, never believer. It would be about not the church. It wouldn't say that the bride of Christ is the church. It would say it's you, singularly. We are meant to be in community together. And the way that we are rightly in community is by confessing our struggles, our hurts, our pains, our sufferings, so that we can then find hope as our friends and brothers and sisters point us back to Jesus. And we can also recognize we're not alone. We're not created to do this alone, but to do it in community. The part about who we are and what we're to do is not to earn our way by living up to the law because Jesus lived up to the law for us. Now we should strive to be holy. Yes, we do that. And I'll show you how to minute on the positive. The negative side is to crucify self. Crucify the old man and run to Jesus. Jesus said it in his own words. He said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Crucify the old self and run to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, the old nature never changes into a holy thing. The carnal mind is not reconciled to God. Neither indeed can it be. The old man is not sent to the hospital to be healed, but to the cross to be crucified. See the language we must use? We must die to self. That is crazy in our culture. That's because it is gospel. The weak to shame the strong. The foolish to shame the wise. The things that are not. The lowly and despised. To bring to nothing the things that are. Listen, I am lowly and despised. If not by other people at times, at least by self. I look at myself and know how much of a failure I am and how much I stink it up and how bad I mess up and how much I need to repent before my kids, repent before my wife, repent before you as brothers and sisters. I see that every day. But God saw me and gave me Jesus. God saw you and has given you Jesus. Not just for one moment 10 years ago or two years ago, but for the rest of your life and for all eternity. Not just for your regeneration, but for your sanctification and for your glorification for all of eternity to be with you because he loves you that much. That's the God we serve. That's the God who loved us so much that even when we were his enemies, he gave us Jesus. We are not just saved by the finished work of Christ in order to run back to Moses and to the law. We're saved to run to Jesus, the fulfillment of the law. Let us always run to Jesus and believe on him alone for our sanctification. John says it really well in 1 John 3, 3. He says, and everyone who thus hopes in him, listen to this, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, our purification doesn't come because you did well today in living out the law. Your purification becomes because you hoped in Jesus. Man, how did you hope in Jesus today already? How do you hope in him in the mornings? How do you hope in him as you're driving to work? How do you hope in him when you've got a hard thing to do that day? How are you hoping in Jesus when you, when you stand up against something that comes at you hard and fast? Where is your hope in the Lord? That is when we are purified like Christ. When we put our hope in him, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith and our sanctification.
Our moral adherence to the law does not sanctify us any more than our moral adherence to the law can save us from our sins. One more Spurgeon quote. It's just too good. I tried to leave it out, but I couldn't. He quotes the scriptures and says, the love of Christ constrains us. And he says, not fear of hell, love of Christ. Not fear that God will cast us away, for he can't do that. He doesn't do that to those he holds. But the joy that we are saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation constrains us to cling to him with all our heart, with all our soul, forever and ever. Rest assured, if motives fetched from the gospel will not kill sin, motives fetched from the law never will. If you cannot be purged at Calvary, you certainly cannot be purged at Sinai. The water and the blood from the ribbon side which flowed are not sufficient to purify me. No blood of bulls or goats ever will. He says, I mean, no argument from the Jewish law or hope of salvation by your own efforts will ever furnish motives sufficiently strong to cast out sin. Let your reasons for being holy be found in Christ. So let us not look to our morality to sanctify us. Let us look to Jesus who has become our sanctification. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification. You know, some of you know I I like to ride motorcycles. And um, I learned very quickly when I started riding bikes one rule that not many people tell you but everybody needs to know. So I'm going to share it with you today in case you decide to go riding tomorrow, okay? This, this holds for anything, really. For driving anything, it holds for, for walking, it holds for doing anything in life. Take the principle and apply it. When you first get on a motorcycle, you're pretty fearful, most of us. And when you do so, you're oftentimes looking at all the stuff you don't want to hit. So my first bike was a Honda CBR600RR, which is a lot of numbers. It means fast. And when you try to go fast, of course, in places where it's safe to do so. You can't get stuck looking at stuff that you don't need to look at because you know what happens when you look at something you don't want to hit? You hit it. So the first thing you learn to do on a motorcycle is to look where you want to go. No matter how fast you're coming up on that turn on the track, you want to look through the turn. You don't look at where you're trying to break. You look through the turn or you're not going to make it. And when you do, it's amazing. Your body, your mind, everything just goes into the turn and makes the turn because you're looking to where you're going. The same thing applies right here. Where you look is where you will go. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because if you look into the law, you're going to go to self-righteousness. And you're either going to fail at it and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to feel depressed because you can never do it. Or you're going to feel falsely prideful because you think you've attained it. And you're going to find self-righteousness in you in a way that you find your glory there. And what we really need is to recognize that we can never attain it no matter how hard we try. But that's okay because Jesus attained it for us. Set our eyes on the founder and perfecter of our faith. And let our eyes feast on him. And we will run to Jesus as we do that. And that is where the sin will fall away. That is where we will crucify the flesh. It is not a hard endeavor because Jesus paid the hard price. Now our job is to run to Jesus. So let us set our eyes on the Christ. You don't become like Jesus by staring into the law. You come 
more like Jesus by staring into the face of Jesus. Jesus has the wisdom to lead you into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. You cannot earn your salvation. We know that. We say it over and over again. So don't think you can earn your sanctification. Today is the day we repent. Let us stop looking to ourselves and let us turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do not look to the law for your holiness, but look to Jesus who has become our holiness. Don't forsake the gathering of believers. We're created to do it together. Because we need one another to point each other to Jesus. We all have blind spots. Did you know that? Some of us forget that often. We all have blind spots. If you really want to know, get your closest friends. Even better, get your family together. Pray a lot before you do it and ask them to point out some of your blind spots where you don't look like Jesus yet. And they will share it with you. One of the greatest travesties of this pandemic for the church, I believe, is the fact that we are so isolated that we think we're doing pretty good in our sanctification, and instead we, need a, we have a lot of repenting to catch up on. Let us seek the Lord and ask him to reveal it to us. Let us ask our friends and our family here, our brothers and sisters, to show us, to speak into our lives, give them permission. Because God has set you apart for his glory and for his family to be witnesses to his great glory. And when we strive in our own strength and our own abilities, we're actually attempting to rob God of that glory. So let us repent, brothers. Sisters, let us repent today. Let us boast all the more gladly of our weaknesses. Let us boast all the more gladly of our struggles and of our failures so the world will see the greatness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that the one who boasts will boast in the Lord. They won't boast in me as a preacher. They won't boast in you as a great profession or whatever you do. They won't boast in, in you about how great of a parent you are. They'll see where your struggles are. They'll see where your hurts are. They'll see where your hangups are. And they'll say, gosh, but look at that hope. They must have some great hope in something. And you can go, it's in Jesus, the founder and perfecter of my faith, my sanctification, my righteousness, my redemption, my everything. He's the wisdom you're looking for. Run to Jesus with me. That is how we make much of him and boast in the Lord. For in the great wisdom of God, Jesus has become our righteousness and our sanctification. Praise be to the Lord and the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Father, we need you now. We cannot, but you've already made the way in Jesus. We do not know what to do. We do not know how to make it right. We do not know how to, to find perfection. But Lord, you already found perfection and made the way to it through Christ Jesus, your son. So Lord, draw our hearts to him this morning. If there's someone here, Lord, that does not know you, I beg you, before they leave here, would you bring them to a place of repentance? Would you woo them in with the gospel and the beauty of your son, Jesus, that they might turn away from sin and believe on Christ, your son, this morning? And today be the day of salvation, the first day. 
for them. And for the rest of us who know you, who are already in Christ Jesus, your son, who is already in us, I ask today that you would move in us, reveal our sin, reveal our struggles, reveal the things that we are holding on to we need to let go of. Show us where we need to repent. Show us where the cares and anxieties we're holding on to we need to release to you and trust in you. Show us where we need to, to walk away from some situation and give you our hope in that. Show us where we need to speak up and tell truth and love and grace and mercy whatever it is Lord wherever it is we need to be refined we need to be conformed to the image of Christ I pray you work it in us today for today is still our day of salvation Lord thank you for giving us Jesus thank you for giving us faith thank you for taking us the weak thank you for taking us the foolish for those who are low for those who are despised for those who are hurting for those who are in need And thank you for providing it all in the face and person and work of your son, Jesus. Lord, he is great, and we praise you for him. You are good, and we thank you for all you've done for us. For you alone deserve the glory. We boast alone in you. The church says, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus, as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.